morning. Pastor Lee asked me if I wanted him to introduce me or if I wanted to introduce myself. I said, well, I can tell him who I am, and uh, I'll do that in just a second. Before I do, I just want to tell you this. I appreciate your pastor, Mike McClung. Mike is a good friend, and he had asked me a couple of months ago if I would preach one Sunday in June. Had no idea that on Saturday I would be sharing right here in uh, the funeral of Lois Wiggins and be here again to preach on Sunday morning. But what an honor it is. And while Mike's away on sabbatical, you pray for him, love him, send him cards, send him a gift card to his favorite restaurant or something. Just pour love on him. And let him, I, he texted me this morning, letting me know that he was praying for me. And so it's a privilege to share. Um, my name is Mark James, and uh, I pastored in the South Carolina district for a lot of years. Some of you know some of my relatives. My dad was district superintendent for uh, many, many years, and my wife and I have pastored. Our last church was at Pickens View, and uh, during uh, last year, during COVID, uh, we, we retired. We moved into retirement, so that happened for us. I want to go back a ways. Um, my spiritual roots are in this church. Now, some of you that are really old, older than me, and you've got to be pretty old to be there. So, uh, my spiritual roots are here. Let me tell you why. My dad was pastor of your church from about 1951, right in there, until about 1960. And I was born in 1953. My parents loved me, but... One night, they went home after church. I suspect Daddy was tired, and Mom probably was too. And they got home, and I don't know how long they'd been there. I don't know if they'd already sat down to eat or whatever, and one looked at the other one and said, Where's Mark? <laughs> said, I thought you brought him. Well, I thought you brought him. <laughs> they came back and got their lost son. Still sleeping in church. <laughs> and I survived to tell about it. But I want to tell you that back there when your church, before this building was built, when it was located over there on the top of the mill hill, when I was about six years old, maybe seven, my dad preached, uh, preached a sermon. I have no idea what he preached. Just like a lot of you, the when you gave your heart to Jesus, a lot of you can't, you couldn't, you don't have a clue what the preacher said. You just know that the Holy Spirit drew you to himself. And um, I, I uh, looked at my little buddies next to me. We were, we were just kids. And at the invitation, just kind of nudged each other or grinned. I don't know what we did. And we moved out from where we were. And I think it was somewhere along in here in that old church that we knelt down. Now, I really don't know what happened that night, to be honest with you. I don't know if I gave my heart to Jesus. I don't know. What I do know is that in my story of my, my walk with God, that's where I go back to the first time that I ever remember seeking God publicly. It started there. And so you were part of my, uh, part of my story. This church had a huge impact because I was at this church in my formative years. 
uh, before Dad moved to another church. So I'm really honored to be here today and to share with you, to have my wife Anna here with me. And uh, God's blessed us across the years with two children and five grandchildren. They, all, they live in other states, uh, but we're, we're so thankful for them. And uh, some of you know that my dad's gone to heaven. My mom still attends church here when she can. And she's 99 years old. And I don't see her here this morning. It probably wore out yesterday coming to the service. Uh, one other thing, I was truly honored to be able to have part in Lois Wiggins' service yesterday. Uh, and what a, what a, a wonderful service. Uh, when you live well. It makes it a lot easier for pastors to lead funerals. And so to the Wiggins family that are here, and I see a lot of you made it today, it, it was an honor to be part of that service yesterday. Thank you so much. You have a great heritage. So I want to talk to you this morning for just a little while on a basic subject of Christianity. My title is Jesus. That's what I want you to think about. That's what I hope when you go home you will talk about. That's who I hope you will talk to when you pray. Jesus. It was back in the early 90s, 93, 94, Promise Keepers was very young. And as a pastor, I often look for places to take some people from my church. And I took some men and went to Promise Keepers. I think it may have been the first year it was ever in a football stadium. It was in the, the ball, football stadium in Boulder, Colorado. And I think that year there was about 22,000 men who showed up in the stadium. Down on one end, perhaps near the goalpost, there was a, a large stage. And men were sitting around, and I was on the side where you could look and see the beautiful Rocky Mountains. It was picturesque, and it was wonderful. And they sang songs like, How Great Thou Art, with thousands of men singing together, and it was amazing. And then they would bring in speakers, one speaker after another. In fact, I think they would often have some worship, and then they would have a speaker, and then have a second speaker. And then later we'd have more worship and then two speakers. I remember one time, it, it came break time, you know, to let us stand up and stretch. And you, you have to remember that all of us men are just big boys, pretty much. And, and it was so fun to watch what happened when they gave us time to stretch. Uh, people spilled out onto the football field and from somewhere some frisbees showed up and frisbees were sailing around and, and then a football turned up and somebody threw it out to somebody on the field and somebody got it and threw it back up and their stadium wasn't near as tall as Clemson's. They threw it back up in the stadiums and sometimes people would cheer and then somebody came out with a styrofoam airplane, probably had a wingspan about this long and they took it up to the top of the stadium and would launch it. And this was, this was, you know, here we are, we're grown men. We're out there watching this plane fly and frisbees go and cheering. And this plane would fly and sometimes it would make it all the way down to the field. Somebody grab it and take it back up to the top again. It came time for us to focus on what we were there for. 
on Jesus. And we were just, I, I was, I was all caught up in that airplane. And so about that time when they were trying to get our attention and I was watching that airplane, somebody launched it again. And it started, and then the wind caught it. And it went up in the air and did a right turn and sailed out of the stadium. That's the last time I remember ever seeing it. It was almost like God said, okay, man, it's time to get refocused on why you're here. And so he let the plane sail out of the stadium so we could turn our attention back to Jesus. You know, I find out that in my life and in our world and in the church and in families, I find out that there are lots of things that distract us from Jesus. Have you found that to be true? I'll tell you what one of the worst ones is for me right now. It's this thing right here. Oh my goodness, it's embarrassing. Sometimes I go to have my time with God and all of a sudden become aware I've picked it up and you know, and you, you pick it up to see who that was sending in an email or whatever. And next thing you know, you're checking something else. It's like, oh, I was supposed to be with Jesus. I get distracted. God wanted us to know what's truly important. And he gives us uh, uh, more than gives us a hint about what's truly important. When he sent an angel to Joseph, it's in, it's in Matthew 121. You don't have to turn there right now. But in Matthew 121, the angel went to Joseph and said, Jesus, and he can go and take care of the sins of the world. You know, it would have been very easy for the New Testament church to lose sight, lose focus on Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church, the day of Pentecost, people have been praying and they've been seeking God and the Holy Spirit comes and, and in a way like they had never experienced before and they spill out into the streets and God's enabling them to speak to people in whatever the language those people have and people from all over the world seem to be gathering and it's an amazing thing. The crowd gathers and then Peter stood up. Now folks, it would have been really easy at that point for something to run through Peter's mind thinking, man, what a chance here. I can show these people what I can do. I can make a name for myself. But when you read, Peter stood up and he began to address the crowd. And he said in chapter 2, verse 22, he said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. I'm Peter, the most outstanding of disciples, at least in my own opinion. No, no, that's not what he said. He said, Jesus of Nazareth, he said, I'm sorry, let me get back to here. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So when they looked at him, he said, look over there. Look at where? Jesus. Look to Jesus. 
On down in that scripture in verse 32, he said, God has raised this Jesus to life. In verse 36, he said, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And in verse 38, he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Wow. You know how easy it might have been for them to realize, wow, if we can make something sensational happen like tongues of fire and all these things that are happening today, if we can do that, if we can repeat that next week, the crowd will grow, more people will come, and we'll just start doing sensational things, and we'll have a huge church with lots of people. It was, would have been easy to get caught up in sensationalism. The problem there is you have to top every week. You have to try to top what happened last week, and it can become very easy to turn into entertainment and that kind of thing, and we don't come here to be entertained. We come to worship who? Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 3, again, there would have been an opportunity to be distracted from the main, the main thing, from Jesus. I want to just turn there. It's, it's when Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray. They were good men. They were going to, to do something spiritual. They were going to pray. And, and like a lot of preachers, they were walking around broke. <laughs> I do a lot because my wife says I'll either spend it or give it away. So I just walk around fairly broke a lot of the time. And uh, sometimes my brothers accuse me of going to a restaurant and then saying, oh, I don't have any money. <laughs> That's always innocent. I don't do that on purpose. And so, you know, I guess they're wondering, what in the world are we going to do? This man, he's he's begging, he's asking to to give him some alms, to give him some money. Help me out. And they're like, you got anything? I'm broke. I don't have anything either. Oh, man. And then it must have occurred to one of them, what would Jesus do? Jesus wouldn't feel like he had to give them money. He could go beyond that. If the man could walk or see or whatever his problem was, lame, I think it said, if he could do that, he wouldn't even have to stand out here and ask people for help. And then it says, Peter looked straight at him, verse 4, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. He was probably expecting to get some money. So the man gave them His attention expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I... They they get caught up in too many things. They could have been distracted, but they weren't. And on down in that passage, one of them said this by faith, in verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes... Through him that has given this complete healing to him. He asked for alms and they gave him Jesus. 
Now there's a good thought for churches in 2021. People are searching. They don't know for sure what they're looking for. They're just hungry and empty and hopeless. And whatever they're asking for, what if we gave them Jesus? That's what Lois Wiggins did. That's what she lived for, to give people Jesus, to know Jesus. So those of you that like homework, I'm going to give you some right now. The rest of you, you just listen for a minute and we'll move on. I would, I would challenge you to read the first eight to ten chapters of Acts. And in every chapter, you can almost, almost every chapter, you can find something that could have distracted them from the main thing. But each time they come back to who? Jesus. It's easy to get distracted from the main thing. But we don't have to. You know what? It's easy to get distracted from Jesus. It's easy for churches to in these modern times. Right now I'm thinking kind of before COVID. Because that kind of messed everything up. But what were some of the things that churches would, would get they would get their attention off of Jesus and, and, and the church would lose focus. What were some of the things that caused churches to lose focus? It was things like past accomplishments. Well, I remember when the best days of this church and we built this building. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. And we should remember with appreciation and thanksgiving to God. But we need to do more than be able to say, well, God used to be amazing. Jesus used to save people. He does it today. You can't let yesterday's victories replace tomorrow's opportunities. There are power struggles that happen in churches. It's, you know, what, what you were watching in America today where where our politicians are, are more interested in, in, in making their party the one in power than they are in loving their country for, for the most part. That happens in churches where people forget that it's all about Jesus and get caught up in, am I going to get to be in control? Am I going to have the say in what happens in my church? It's another thing that distracts is, is personality clashes. Well, I thought both those people loved God, and there they were, button heads. Well, they probably did. Paul and Barnabas loved Jesus, and they butted heads. And then they must have looked at each other and shook hands and said, hey, let's do this right. You go that direction, I'll go this direction, and we'll win the world twice as fast. You can have personality clashes and not have to destroy the church or get distracted from Jesus. Another one that, that, that gets churches messed up is pressures of finance. We get distracted on how we're going to pay this, how we're going to do that. Sometimes it's personal preference. Crazy things like what color of carpet we're going to have. Are we going to put carpet or we're going to put hardwood or tile? I mean, things that in the big scheme don't matter. Because it's supposed to be about Jesus. And then one of the big ones that gets us distracted is the pull of our culture and in Romans 12 1 and 2 we, if you remember the scripture says be not conformed to this world but be transformed listen the world cannot transform America into what it needs to be education cannot take care of the crime problem and throwing money at things cannot fix everything that's out there 
but the culture has all of these things going on. Be not conformed to the world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Who, tra- who renews our minds and who transforms us? It's Jesus. And then we get sidetracked into thing like, things like busyness and noise and materialism and all kinds of things. The other churches in this town aren't your competition. They're part of the team helping people see Jesus. And boy, talking about distractions when the pandemic hit. Wow. It's like we can't have church. You know, on, on about March, the I preached on March the 15th. I preached on prayer. And I knew I'm coming down the home stretch. I was to retire at the end of April. And so like... You're thinking, okay, what's that last message? What I want to share with the people in this last few weeks. And I preached on prayer that day and thought I had about seven, six or seven more Sundays to preach. And, and, and went home and about Tuesday, Anna said, what if that was our last Sunday here? I said, oh, no, that's not going to happen. And next Sunday, we didn't even have church. You remember? And for a lot of people... They didn't have church for a really long time. You're talking about distractions. Pastors were having to say, okay, what are we, we going to do? How are we going to keep our congregation? How are we going to encourage our people? And, and had to start scratching for things, doing things they'd never done before, like getting worship online and having Zoom meetings and doing all these things. And there were new sets of problems. There were people living in fear. I mean real fear. I lost friends during the pandemic that died and you probably did at Pickens view the vice chairman of the board who was in his 50s came down with it and was gone almost in no time it impacted us it it distracted us quarantines mask social distancing fear sickness death schools closed church called off Limited size of crowds. And then things, other things happened. And nowadays there are still a lot of people left in anger and fear. I was so thrilled to see yesterday, to see this place just packed out for Ms. Wiggins' funeral. I was so glad we got to come and be here and celebrate her life. But now in America, it just seems like we're on a slope that's the morality you know, I, I, I could start naming things, but you'll, it'll just get you depressed. And I want you to come to church and get encouraged. You, all you got to do is look at the news and you can get depressed without having me to help you. And to be honest with you, as a, retire, as a recent retired pastor, who, by the way, didn't get to have my, the retirement party they were going to have for us. They had to get creative and they did a drive-by at the parsonage and it was like a parade and they would... A car would drive up, and we stood out there, and they would talk to us two or three minutes and get a chance to say we love you, and they would move on, and the next car would come up, and they just kept. That was our going away. Um, Plans changed. And you know what? As all this stuff happened, I found myself getting cynical. I never wanted to be that person. But it's easy when you look at the situation in America and and you watch the news. And honestly, if you're here today and you're really down, 
and struggling about what's happening in America, if you'll get a little bit less looking at the news and get your eyes back on him, that'll help an awful lot. Because remember, when the world was in a mess back there 2,000 years ago, the angels said God's going to send his son Jesus and he's going to help deal with the sin problem. The biggest problem in our world today is the same as it was back then, and it's sin. And the answer for sin is Jesus Christ. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The problem is is not a lot of the things that secular people think it is. It's a, a heart that's full of deceit. And all these things that, hap- that are happening are coming out of deceitful hearts. And so what can we do? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I want to just point you to this scripture. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Just give me Jesus. That needs to be our prayer. Give me Jesus. One of the speakers at Promise Keepers events was Dr. E.V. Hill, a black preacher from Los Angeles. Oh, you're talking about somebody who could move a crowd. He was an amazing speaker. I heard him tell one time a story. He pastored this large church in Los Angeles, and apparently on Tuesday they would have these special meetings for pastors to come in, and, and they would preach and, and, and get encouraged. And he said there was, a, there was a, lay, a, a woman, okay, I know it's not nice to say this, but she was an old woman. In fact, he said, he said, I didn't know her name, but I just called her 1800. He said, I was pretty sure she was born in 1800 and something. And he said, she would come to the meetings and those preachers, a preacher would get up to speak and he would start off and he'd talk about this and he'd talk about that and she'd talk out loud and she would say, get him up, get him up. And it would disturb the preachers. And they'd go on a little bit further and she'd talk out loud again. She'd say, quit that and get him up. And they'd get into some kind of theological ramble or something else and she'd speak out again and she'd say, skip that and get him up. And finally, when the preacher get around to lifting up Jesus and things would begin to move in the service. She'd say, I told you to get him up. If we get him up, he will stir us up. Amen. The angel said his name shall be called Jesus. The angel got got Jesus up. God the Father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He lifted Jesus up. 
John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, or, or John the Baptist lifted Jesus up. Stephen was dying, and he looked up and he said, I see Jesus, and he was lifting Jesus up. And, and Peter was speaking, and he said, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. And it was Jesus himself who said in John 12, 32, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. I know, I know he was talking about the way he was going to die when he's put up on a cross. But also when you go to work and you lift up Jesus and when pastors stand here and we lift up Jesus and in your talking and conversations, you lift up Jesus. He will draw men to himself and women and boys and girls. And that's probably why when I was about six years old, why I got up and came and knelt at that altar, drawn to Jesus. So I want to close with this. I'm almost closed. Many of you knew my dad. Dad's in heaven now. He pastored this church. Dad lived in Anderson. He joined the Navy during World War II when he was 17 years old. He was stationed in Jacksonville, Florida. Where he was in the barracks, they had, they had bunks three high. And Dad, I think, had the top bunk. His name was Bill. Daddy's name was Bill. Like Some people called him W.D., William it was Bill James. On one of those other bunks was a, another guy from Pennsylvania somewhere, and his name was Bill. His name was Bill Green. Bill Green was a little older than Bill James, and Bill Green knew Jesus. I don't know if it was day or night when it was, but Bill Green told Bill James about Jesus. And my dad gave his heart to Jesus. Dad's told me that sometimes, you know, he began to feel God moving on his heart. And I don't know if it's when he was in Cape May, New Jersey, or over in Georgetown, Delaware. But he said sometimes he would be out there in the field and he would stand on a stump and, and just kind of preach out there to nobody. Because his heart was filled up with Jesus. And that passion that he had for Jesus... It carried over into the pulpit when he stood and, and preached to people like you. It was evident in our home in not only what he did during devotions, but in how he lived and what he said and how he acted and reacted. And after his retirement, he eventually moved to Florida to live close to where we were. And I would He lived in the same neighborhood as I lived in and half mile away, and I'd see Dad out there walking by this time he was getting up around 80 he looked like somebody maybe 68 walking down the road dad had he he, he you, if you ever watched him walk I mean he he was going somewhere and then one morning my phone rang and it was mom it was about 6 30 in the morning and she said I don't know what she said when things like this happen you don't remember what was said but basically something happened to dad I got to over there as quickly as I could and dad was in the bathroom 
And I, I went in and he was face down against the tile. His face laying on, his, on, his, on the tile like this. He'd had a stroke. We didn't know that at the time. I got down beside him. I didn't know if he was going to live or die. And I said, Dad, I love you. And he hadn't lost his speech. They didn't take his speech away. And Dad, lying there with his face on the floor, he couldn't get up. He said, I love you. And then he said, and I love Jesus. If God could help a 17-year-old who fell in love with Jesus to get to 80 and a stroke victim and still lying helplessly in the floor saying, I love Jesus. Don't you think that that same God can help us keep from being distracted in a world that's a mess and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? I do. You know what made Lois' funeral so great yesterday? It was lifting not only up Lois, it was lifting up Jesus that Lois lived her life for. She loved Pastor Wiggins, and she loved her kids, and she loved the grandkids, but she loved Jesus. And somehow, all the way up into her 80s, she was able to keep her eyes fixed on Jesus. What about you? What are you looking at today? Oh, don't let the world rob you of looking to Jesus. You know, some, I, I, I wrestle a lot getting ready to preach. I struggled a lot about that funeral yesterday. yesterday. I, it wasn't lo, about Lois or anything. It was, it's me. I struggle. And so when I get ready to preach something, I feel like, okay, so this is what I'm supposed to preach. And things go through my mind like, well, is, is this going to be relevant for where people are now? And I mean, in my head, I know that Jesus is relevant all the time. But this morning when I got up around 5 o'clock or a little before 5 and went in and sat down with my Bible in the coffee pot and, and I, I just kind of randomly turned over in Luke and I think it was chapter 8 that I landed in and I started reading and, and as I read it, I read about Jesus and his disciples in a boat and a storm came up. Listen, some of those disciples, those weren't rookie people on the lake. Those weren't people that never been in a boat before and say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? These are people that had spent their lives fishing. They knew boats. They knew how to survive in the water. And they panicked and said, Jesus, we're going to go down. And Jesus spoke. And the waves stopped. And peace came. The impossible became possible because of Jesus and I read on down through that chapter and it told another story about a, a man who was filled with demons and, 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 and he was a wild man running around naked out, out in the graveyard and, and nobody could keep him tied down they would bind him up and he would break loose and, and Jesus went there one day and in just a little while somebody came by and the man was sitting clothed at the feet of Jesus. And I can just hear somebody saying, that can't be the same guy. That's impossible. But nothing's impossible with Jesus. 
people whose lives and hearts are filled with demons can know Jesus and be set free. And I read on down and it told about a woman there who'd been sick for 12 years. No doctor could help her. She was broke from paying for medical help and Jesus was moving through and she come, somehow got through the crowd and she reached out and just touched his garment and all of a sudden she was totally well. And you say, but that was an impossible situation. There, nobody could make her well, nobody but Jesus because Jesus does impossible and I read on down a little bit further in the same chapter and he finally got to the house of Jairus whose child was sick and by the time he got there the child had died and they said oh you're too late she's gone and Jesus said well let, let me decide that and he put most of them out of the room and he went in and he raised her back to life and she got something to eat and people probably said Hey, that doesn't happen. You can't do that. That's impossible. Well, it was till Jesus came by. And so when I when I when I tempted to say, say to myself or to hear voices saying, "Are you going to stand there and preach on Jesus?" and and is it going to be relevant to today? And it is. He is. Jesus is relevant today because our world is full of impossible situations, and Jesus can do what nobody else can do. He can change your family. He can change your neighbor. He can change our nation and our world. His name is Jesus. An old black preacher, S.M. Lockridge, said, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You, you can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stop him, but they found out they couldn't. I mean, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah, that's my king. That's my king. Father, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that, he said. And when you get through with all the forevers, then amen and amen. So I want you to join me in singing a song as we close. I, I, this is not a solo, this is us. The words are gonna be on the screen, okay? In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, give me
lot of aloneness during COVID. Give me Jesus. Stand up and sing with me. And when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, when I come to die, it's a great way to meet him. Give me Jesus. listen, if you're here today and you don't know him, before this day's over, you get alone and focus on Jesus. Remember he said he came into the world so that the world could be saved. You're part of that. Ask him to come into your heart. You're here today and you've gotten distracted and you kind of neglected Jesus. You get alone today and you focus back on him and say, Lord, I'm sorry and I'm back. I want you to be the main focus of my life. If you're a young person trying to figure out what's going on, what's going to be happening in your life, get your eyes on Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but you can help me. I'm looking to you to help me. And he can show you. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. So that plane sailed out of the stadium. It was like God was saying, it's time to worship me. I have a favorite chorus that says, I love you, Lord. And I want you to sing it with me. I'll tell you the words as we go. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. And I my voice to worship you, to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoice. Take joy, my King. Take joy, my King. In what you hear. In what you May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let's sing it to him now, all right? I love you, Lord. Jesus
forgive us for all the times that while we were saying we love you and you're first in our lives, that we became distracted and we looked other places and we tried to solve things on our own and we became skeptical and cynical and we almost forgot that God does the impossible. Lord, today, help us to refocus on you. His name is Jesus. And he came to set us free and save us from our sins. We're so thankful. Bless this congregation today and fill their hearts with love for Jesus. Bless Pastor Mike and his family today and fill their hearts full of Jesus. Bless this community today and may Jesus be honored and proclaimed in it this week. And bless our state, Lord, and may some people in places where they can, where people listen, let them lift up Jesus, I pray. Oh, we lift you up. We worship you and we love you. In your name we pray and all the people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting me share today.